The battle of wizards and warriors continues with iron swords. The evil wizard Malkil will take the shape of the earth, wind, water, and fire. Farewell! The fate of the world is in your hands! You're listening to the Piercing Wizard Podcast, and I'm your host, Ryan Willett. I'm a professional body piercer with 20 years experience, I travel around the world teaching technique and safety classes, and I'm a member of the Association of Professional Piercers. Listen in as I talk to my friends and colleagues about our industry so we can all stay sharp. Hi everybody, how you doing and thanks for coming back to another episode. Uh, This week I'm going to be talking with APP Administrator Caitlin McDiarmid about the scholarship process for the 2023 APP conference. Uh, The Legacy Scholarship process is open right now through mid-January 2023. Uh, You can get all the info by going to the APP website, safepiercing.org. Click on the conference information and it'll show you legacy scholarship application information. So, um, you know, whether you think it will be beneficial for you or, or maybe another piercer out there that you interact with in forums or interact with in some way, if they feel like they just can't really get out to conference in 2023 on their own, uh, point them towards this financial aid scholarship. Uh, They'll also need a a letter of recommendation to apply, so that can be a really big helping hand if you want to try to be a mentor to some some younger piercers or piercers that you think would benefit from additional exposure to information. Point them towards this podcast, point them towards the APP website, uh, get them reading about the the scholarship application, and and get them applying. That's just how we get more piercers out to conference. It's a, a really important part of growth of our industry. So uh, I'll be talking to Caitlin about that in a few minutes. And and as I said, you can go to the APP social media. You can go to the APP's website, safepiercing.org, and you can find all that scholarship application information. If you are an APP member, right now, up until December 1st, 2022, is the Board of Directors election cycle. So they had a nomination process, and now the people who have accepted the nomination are up for uh, election. You can go online. It's a really quick and easy process. If you're an APP member, you should have already received an email uh, steering you towards the website to vote. All you have to do is log in. It'll bring you straight to the election page. It'll show you the nominees. It'll show you their picture. It'll show you a short description about them. And there are four spots open for election right now. Some of the current uh, board of directors are choosing to step away after one term rather than uh, going up for for re-election, moving on to other things in their lives and their careers. So that means there's a, a big moment to bring in a fresh batch, fresh blood onto the board of directors. So if you have any particular issues that you'd like to see um, discussed more, move forward, go and look at those descriptions from the nominees. You can see what they're about. You can see what they're interested in. You can see past experience. Have they worked on committees? Have they volunteered before? Do they have experience that would suit them well for a board of directors position? So log into the APP website through that email you should have received. It only takes you about a minute to log in and vote, and it's a really important part of our organization. So that's open until December 1st, 2022. But for now, let's go ahead and start talking to Caitlin about the legacy scholarship process. And again, that's open until mid-January 2023, but you don't want to wait until the last minute to apply. So check out all the info online at safepiercing.org, and I'll be back a little bit more at the end. My name is Caitlin McDermott. I'm the administrator of the Association of Professional Piercers and the main conference manager um, operations person. Uh, I've been with the association for 20 years now, and uh, you can reach me at info at safepiercing.org. And uh, how long have I been helping out with this scholarship committee thing? Has it been like close to 10 years? 
long time. <laughs> yeah, a while. A while. Um, and you know, it's it's scholarship season, and I've been I've been trying to post some stuff about scholarships on my social media and and stuff like that, just to kind of make people aware of it. But I, I thought it would be nice to. Uh, throw together like an info podcast episode about it because every year we get pretty similar questions, confusions, uh, you know, maybe some stuff that the information online is like very ample. And if people don't have the time to read through a few pages of like detailed info and the application, they might miss some little things. So I wanted to make sure that we can kind of distill some of those little things down into a, an audio episode and and try to get more people uh, applying for the scholarship this year. Yeah, I think um, the application numbers have dropped off a little bit. Um, I don't know that they've ever been like, we've got a hundred applications kind of thing. Yeah. And I think that the reason that the applications have dropped in number is because piercers in general are actually financially doing a little bit better. Most yeah. of them. Well, there's that, that whole wave of, uh, higher quality jewelry and, you know, there's huge demand for a lot of fashionable piercings the last couple of years. So I guess, you know, people didn't have to rely too, too much on a scholarship when you had that, like the triple Ford Helix craze, sending people to conference, the, the Doth uh, craze, sending people to conference. <clears throat> and now it's probably people going to conference um, from like earlobe piercings or, or nipple piercings or ear curation or something like that. So about to say the gold wave. Yeah. The gold yeah. wave has carried a lot of people to Las Vegas, I think. Yes. Um, I would agree with that. Um, and, you know, I think um, my concern always is that we get the information out there. Um, I think it's a little bit hard for people because we start our application process pretty early. And on, so I do always get a number of people who are asking about the scholarship after we've actually already processed all of the applications. Yeah. Um, and so people do need to, to think about um, the scholarship process uh, well before the year of the conference that we we're talking about. Yeah. It's tough because so much planning goes into conference that you need, you need to give people time to know that number one, like you have to get to Las Vegas and, and be ready to, to be part of conference. Um, sometimes if people are uh, international or, or whatever, you know, it, it takes a lot of planning. So uh, announcing the winners, you have to do that months before conference, but to be able to announce winners, you have to be able to go through this whole selection process. And then before that, you have to go through this whole application process. So a lot of work goes into it on both sides, on the, the APP side of it and on the applicant side of it. So, um, you know, if if somebody out there is listening and it's been an aspiration of theirs to come to the APP conference, but they feel like they can't really afford it right now, uh, that's what the scholarship is for. And I, I also kind of want to say that double for people outside of the U.S., not to say that, you know, you're, you're judged differently, um, but... I think international attendees have maybe a, a much tougher time attending conference just because of travel expenses, because of different economic issues around the world, logistics and whatever, you know, piercing markets. So uh, I, I just really want to let people know that like, all you have to do is submit a good application and, and you could be one of the scholars. 
Yeah, I think I hear that from scholars every year that they're kind of shocked that they got the scholarship. Um, but the fact is, is, you know, we've done this process for a long time now. And um, I think we have a good balance of the things that we look for in a scholar as far as the financial need has to be there. Um, but we also look, you know, for people who are really hungry for the knowledge. Um, either they haven't been able to get that knowledge, uh, maybe they didn't have a great apprenticeship, or maybe they haven't been able to take advantage of other educational opportunities. And so this is gonna be like their first big educational opportunity. Or people who have just been eating up all of the education they can get and doing all of the things to get that education. And that this is kind of like the cherry on top reward for working really hard to get that information and be a good producer. Yeah, I, I, I always see kind of a mix every year. I see the people where conference is their first real exposure to some of this information or, or the, the level of information, the, the variety of jewelry, the variety of skill sets, all those different things. Then you have other people where it's like, in their little corner of the world, whatever country it might be, they're already working really hard. They're already trying to work to the highest standard possible for them. And getting to conferences is, is kind of like a validation of that hard work. So it's it's nice to see a variety, even within the scholar set. You know, you're not going to get people who are one day out of an apprenticeship and that's the whole team. And you're also not going to get people who have been piercing for 20 years already in the whole team. You'll get a big like blend of one end of the spectrum to the other. And I, I, I always really like that aspect. Yeah, I do too. And I think um, it makes for a very dynamic volunteer team. Um, and, uh, you know, one of the challenges that I have as the person who kind of manages that volunteer team is finding out ways to bring that uh, group of people who usually don't know each other, um, who come from very different experiences um, have those varying levels of experience as a piercer um, and bring them together and, and get them to work as a cohesive team at the conference. Um, the, the benefit uh, is that they have this great volunteer family when they leave conference. And, um, and I think that's a benefit that is hard to kind of explain to people. But if I do my job, uh, that's what they leave with. They leave with not only the, all that education um, and the experience of conference, but they leave with this great little tight support group that then um, they carry with them uh, into the future. So. Yeah, it's really common to see. Well, okay, so there's the, there's the actual application and then the next step, you know, being selection where we have interviews with people. That's That's kind of my favorite part of it because there's only so much you can learn from a couple of like sentences or a couple of paragraphs like written down. There's only so much you can learn about someone through like a, a short video. And I really like to have a conversation and it's really common for these applicants to kind of feel that they're on their own. They're like an Island unto themselves. Then when they can get to conference, especially as part of that volunteer community, uh, they, they never really feel alone again, even if they go back to their corner of the world and they don't really have another piercer in their town, in their shop, what, you know, in their direct community, uh, they're, they're part of this online, this part of like worldwide international community and they're never alone again. And that's, that's always really satisfying to see where they can, where they can go with the connections they make from, from conference. 
Yeah, the networking experience and um, the fact that they are a scholar within that networking experience is um, is really transformative for them. Uh, and they it opens up a lot of doors for whether you're traveling as a piercer or whether you're going to some other uh, conference over, you know, in Europe or in South America, um, you know, shadowing different piercers, getting jobs at different uh, locations, all sorts of opportunities. Um, yeah, I've seen like over and over and over again, I've seen scholars go on to be APP members, sure, but also like uh, be on committees, uh, join, you know, I've seen, I've seen people go from scholars to APP board members. I've seen people start their own organizations internationally and then, you know, create their own educational events or create their own, you know, communities of, of higher standards, all those different things. So it's, it's great to kind of create these piercing ambassadors and, and to, I don't know, just pull people into that whole like team, you know, it's, it's, you're not, you're not an individual player after that. You're part of an overall team and you have a lot of support and a lot of people you can talk to and learn from. And you, it's also really good for your career. You can end up in a better shop. You can end up maybe being nudged towards opening your own shop or being the lead piercer in a shop uh, pretty, pretty rapidly after an opportunity like this. Yes. Let, let's talk about the actual process because every year I get a lot of questions. Um, I get a lot of people not understanding what you need to be eligible for it. I get people that don't understand, um, you know, what they're responsible for versus what the APP offers their scholars. Um, you know, what what kinds of people we're looking for for applicants. So the first thing that I always want to put out there is like. Yes, you'll be part of the overall volunteer team. You'll be part of like staffing conference and, and making conference work, but it's not really it's not really the thing to do if you just wanted to contribute to conference. Um, kind of look at it as like it's it's a financial aid scholarship. So this is for people who wouldn't be able to pay to go to to conference on their own. So if you feel like you're in a place where your studio owner might be willing to send you to conference or it's something that you could save up for, or it's something that like, you know, like you, you knew that you could probably get there on your own. A scholarship really isn't what you should be working towards. What, what are your thoughts on, on that part of it? Like, what would you want people to know before they applied? Um, well, I, th I think what you said is, is really important. Um, there are different avenues uh, to being able to help out a conference um, and the scholarship, uh, it's, you know, it's biz biggest kind of core thing for the scholarship is that there is a financial need that that person needs to this support, this financial support in order to make it to conference. Yeah. Um, you know, the other things that are important to remember is, you know, you've got to be 21. Why do you have to be 21 or older by the time conference happens? because the hotel and casino has very strict rules about uh, who can rent rooms and who can be in the rooms and who can be on the casino floor and all of those things. And so the APP has decided to, to also put that um, age limit on uh, to make things smoother for everybody at the actual event. So they do need to be 21 or older. Um, yeah. One of the things you know that we say is that you either have have never gone to conference 
you've only attended one conference um, or it's been five years or more since the last time you were able to get to conference. Right. And, and that's just to, to make it a little bit more open um, to people who haven't had that opportunity before, or it's been a while since they've had that opportunity. This year we have added a requirement that we will only take one application from any given studio um, each year. And so if both you and your coworker want to apply for the scholarship, you'll need to rock, paper, scissors as far as who applies this year and who applies next year. And and that is to to really support um, those coworkers in their work environment so that um, it's not a matter of if somebody gets it and somebody doesn't, there are suddenly hard feelings um, in that work environment. And I, I do think that, that rule is appropriate and um, I'm happy that it was approved and added. Yeah. And something I like to see from scholars is that they disseminate the information that they get at conference. They bring it home and they share it with the other piercers in their studio or the other piercers in their their town or their community or whatever. So, um, yeah, that, that that makes sense to me. I think, uh, you know, the, the only other like kind of rule uh, for being eligible to apply is that um, they have to be a piercer. Um, they have to have at least six months piercing experience by the time conference starts. So they can still be in an apprenticeship, um, but they have to have, you know, had some piercing experience uh, for at least that six months by the, the actual event. I want to clarify some of the things that go into why, because I, I know that lots of people, lots of people get stressed and and they get maybe a little bit tense, uh, intense when, when they kind of put it in their mind of like, yeah, this is it. This is going to be my forever job, my forever career. But we've both seen lots of people where maybe they've, they've been a counter person, maybe they've been something in a studio. And then when they move up to that, uh, piercer opportunity, they decide that, oh, this isn't this isn't really for me. And it's not a great allocation of resources to give somebody a scholarship when they're only into a counter position role, when they're just barely into an apprenticeship role. So, you know, it's really, a, it's a scholarship for active piercers. We're not going to say that you have to have 10 years experience, obviously, but six months, I think makes a lot of sense because uh, you need to be a piercer and you need to have some sort of base knowledge to be able to to actually absorb information at a conference like this. If it's theoretical, if you've been on the desk, if maybe you've gotten pierced or seen some piercings, but you haven't really had the experience of being trained as a piercer, you might not get as much out of conference as you could as someone with even just six months experience. Yeah, um, I, I think that that was the thinking with with those kinds of parameters was that um, both having a good foundation before they're getting all of that information at conference and then hopefully a little bit more secure in, in that they're going to be a piercer for a good bit anyway, so that we are investing in people uh, who are going to stick it out in the career, at least for a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. It gets, it gets tricky sometimes because people obviously grow and change in their lives. But um, sometimes in the past, we've gotten applicants where they say like, yeah, I'm a part-time piercer, but I'm also a part-time this and a part-time that and a part-time whatever. And it's like, well, you know, what do you think realistically you're going to be doing a year from now? What if you get, you know, the the opportunity that you wanted to move into tattooing or to move into whatever other career, like th- this is an opportunity that could have gone to someone who sees themselves being a piercer next year and the year after that. 
what what are some of the things that you like to see from applicants? Well, because I I'm kind of try to look at it from the conference management standpoint, I kind of rely on you and Kale, who's the third party uh, who does the reviews to kind of look at their piercing and their career in that way. Um, and I look at the kind of how they're going to do in the conference environment and how they're going to do as a volunteer. So a lot of, uh, you know, whether they've had experience working uh, with some sort of volunteer group, whether they have had experience working with people that they didn't know, different kind of uh, teamwork skills, and then really um, that drive and hunger uh, for the experience itself. Um, I want to see somebody that is excited about possibly going to conference. If their attitude is very like ho-hum, that, you know, that's not the kind of applicant that I want to see. I really, I really want somebody that wants to be there. And I think, you know, that's usually what we get. We usually get applicants who are, you know, have gotten over the challenge of doing the application because they are so hungry and they, they so much want to go. I like to see drive. I like to see passion about it. I, I think everybody who's on the, the the committee, the panel, kind of brings their own perspective of of what they're looking for. Uh, for for me, when you say that, like I kind of judge people as a piercer, it's never in like an elitist way. Like I don't I don't care what company jewelry you're using. I don't care. Um, what kind of sterilizer you're using. I mean, obviously like, you know, I have my minimum standards for, for safe practices, but like, I'm not going to be like, oh, you know, you only use this. Well then no, like I, I want to see people who just want to get better. Like, I don't really care at what point of your growth you're at. All I care is that growth is important to you as a piercer. Exactly. Like, that's the most important stuff for me is like, I just want to see someone who cares about piercing who wants to come to conference to get a little bit better at their craft, who wants to meet people and engage and learn and, and see new things and, and share what they know with other people. Like that's what I always love to see. If I see someone who's just like, yeah, I don't know. Somebody told me to apply for this. Somebody told me I should go to conference. Somebody, you know, maybe I was thinking about that. Like if they're wishy-washy on it compared to someone who's like, I need to be there. I need this. This is what I want in my life and in my career. Those are the people that really stand out to me. Yeah. And thanks for that clarification, Ryan. I did not at all mean to insinuate um, that we are somehow judging somebody's level of piercing or their status in their career or what equipment they're using in their studio or what jewelry they're carrying. Um, More that um, identifying that drive as a piercer to be at conference. And, And I think, you know, that goes to us looking for people who are humble enough and they're open um, to this educational experience. They're there to learn. Um, They don't think that they know it all um, already. And uh, and I think that's an important quality um, for the conference experience to be successful is that you go into it knowing that you're going to learn something and that um, there's lots of different ways to participate in conference and that maybe you have something to contribute even as an attendee where other people can learn from you as well. Oh, totally. Because like every year um, there'll, there'll be somebody, some standout out of the scholarship pool or, or a couple of somebody's where they're, they're just like immediately they've found their 
like kind of leadership personality, you know, being part of a team, you kind of see what people have and, and what people's aspirations are going to be. And every year you'll see people who are just like, they're becoming mentors through this process. And it's, it's great to see people's like confidence wake up and to realize that it's like, oh yeah, I, I know a lot of this stuff. Like I'm doing a lot of this stuff. It's like a really a validation for their, their kind of journey and their growth and their progression. And, um, I just, I love to see all of it. I get corny thinking about it sometimes, but I just love to see how people grow through the, the conference experience, but like in particular, the scholar experience every year, I see people like wake up a, a different part of themselves through the process. And I love it. Yeah, I do too. Um, it, it truly is like the biggest joy of my work experience is working with the scholars and the volunteer team. Um, and when I talk about the volunteer team, you know, volunteer team is made up of former scholars predominantly. Um, yeah. So once you're a scholar, if you do well, um, there, there's a good chance that you are welcomed back as part of the volunteer team and in future years. And some of those people have been volunteers with me for 20 years. And that's pretty amazing. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah that they keep coming back and um, participating um, as a contributing volunteer um, because of what they get from conference, not just the education, but that camaraderie and um, those ways to grow in other ways, um, as you said, like as a leader. Um, and, uh, and yeah, it is a very special experience for sure. Yeah. And I, I you know, we, we get the, the people who are like applicants, international applicants usually, and, they'll kind of say, well, you know, I'm, I'm, I do these groups and I have this like community of people around me. And sometimes I see those people as like, yeah, you know, if you get the opportunity to come to conference as a, as a scholar, um, we know that you're going to be like an amazing ambassador. And we've seen it, you know, with like the UK community, the European community, the, the Mexican community, the South American, Central American communities, like if you can share opportunities with people, they take those opportunities and they pass it along to someone else. And it's just, it's always nice to see it. Yes. Um, I often talk about um, the experience of Fabricio who came from South America um, as a scholar. He did not speak hardly any English. And um, one of his main goals of coming to conference was to see how we did conference. How yeah. did we put on an educational event? Because he wanted to take that home to South America. And, um, and I think, uh, you know, conference provides all sorts of different ways um, that can benefit you as a piercer, as a career, as a human being. Yeah. So when it comes to the actual application. Uh, I'll, I'll include a link to it in the description of this podcast. So, you know, if you're listening to this, uh, any sort of like, you know, podcast platform in the description will be the, the link. If you want to just kind of glance at it, take a look at it, take a look at the application early because uh, the applications close, what is it? Mid-January? Yes. Uh, Mid-January 2023. We will close on January 15th. Okay. So, like, I would really love to see people at least looking at the application during November, maybe putting your application together during December and, and get it submitted, you know, before the end of the year, if, if possible, because um, every year I see 
people that I think would be like pretty good applicants, maybe even pretty good scholars, but their application is just, they threw it together at the last minute, or maybe they submitted it incomplete. And we have to kind of be like, well, I'm, I'm sorry, like that you just don't have enough material here for us to be able to, to really take a good look at you or, or maybe get you through to the next round of deliberation or whatever. So like, if you want to have a, a fair shot at this, you have to put in a fair amount of work to get it done. It's not going to be like weeks of grueling stuff. Like you could probably put an application together over the course of a weekend, but you have to like, you have to put the energy into it and we can, we can tell when, when you don't. Right. Well, and, and we do try to give people different ways of getting that information to us. So although we have a requirement to do a short video, um, we also have the option that if you feel like your application needs something more, you can submit a written essay because some people are great in front of a camera and other people, that is not their happy place. And, um, and it creates a lot of anxiety. And so maybe sending something in writing um, gives them the ability to really convey some of that information uh, without being quite so nervous. Um, That's also really beneficial for people if English isn't your first language, because we've had applicants in the past who have felt really intimidated by sending just one thing or another, you know, just a video or just an essay might be tough for them to really express their thoughts fully. Like plenty of people um, are, you know, they're, they're completely fluent conversationally, but they're just not confident in their ability with English. So, you know, having the opportunity to send an additional piece of material so that we can really get a sense of, of who you are, who you are and what you're about. Like, I, I think that that's really helpful for people. Yeah. And I, I think um, all of us on the committee that reviews these applications would agree that, you know, the more dynamic and interesting the video is, that really gives us a sense of who you are, um, the better. You know, I, I encourage people to be vulnerable at conference um, because I think that, uh by kind of dropping some of those shields we all have, you get more out of the experience. And similarly, the people who have been able to do that in their in their videos um, and really show their personalities and um, their kind of life <laughs> through their video, those have been some of our best applicants and our best scholars. And not everyone is comfortable with that, but um, you know, we have we have to watch those videos and. Um, you know, having something uh, that makes us remember who you are when it comes to selection and um, scheduling interviews and all of that is always helpful. Yeah. And we're not talking about like Hollywood production quality or anything like you can record it on your phone. You can get as creative as you want, but it's, it's really just, we need to know who you are as a person. If you're just reading a question off of a screen or off of a piece of paper, and then you're reading like a pre-canned answer or something like that. It's, it might not give us the same kind of feel as if you're just kind of talking casually about like your thoughts and your feelings and your opinions and stuff like that. We're, we're not looking for like an hour long epic with like CGI and transitions and anything like that. You can send it if you want, but we just need to know who you are as a, as a person to get a good sense of, you know, is this opportunity right for you? Right. Five to 10 minutes um, with, with the, preference of five minutes <laughs> um, <laughs> because because uh yeah those those videos all add up and um and I think you know some of 
past applicants have, you know, taken us on different kinds of journeys um, during their video. Some applicants have, you know, shown us their studios as a part of their video. There's not really a right answer when it comes to that video, other than, um, you know, once we watch it, we should have a better sense of who you are. People have showed their their pets, their shops, their hobbies, their families, um, all that stuff. And sometimes it 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 can be like kind of you know the tipping point or something. We get a, a fair amount of applicants, and uh, sometimes they kind of blend together. You know, a lot of people are going to say, "I'm a piercer and I want to be a better piercer," but we want to kind of know one step outside of that. Like, what are your passions? What are your drives? What are your motivations for wanting to come to conference? Why do you see yourself as someone who could take an opportunity like this and, and, and grow with it um, versus somebody else who might be kind of stuck at home because they, they also can't pay to get to conference. So it helps to, to, you know, let yourself stand out from a crowd. Do we need to talk about what they get if they get the scholarship? To clarify some of it, like, you know, you, you're not going to get like a million dollars off the scholarship or anything. What you get is uh, you get room and board, in uh in vegas sometimes that will be a, a shared room with a roommate sometimes that could be a single room depending on just you know room allocations you get uh you get to attend classes you get a conference pass you get some access to expo and you know all all the all the things for conference but uh you are responsible for uh, covering your own meals um, and you are responsible for getting to the hotel in Las Vegas from wherever home is for you. You need to get to Las Vegas and to the hotel and then home after. Please do not take the Greyhound bus to conference. Well, I mean, you can if you live in like Reno, but if you live in like Miami, no, probably not a good idea to take a bus all the way across the country to Las Vegas. Correct. What is there anything else that they get? that I'm, that I'm missing or anything else? That you um, want to they get to go to the of? social events, um, which are ticketed events and they get, uh, a certain amount of what I like to call meal support, uh, yeah. which, which changes from year to year. And so I'm not going to get into specifics, but usually sure. there's a couple of special different kinds of meals for the volunteers. You know, I think that the big parts of it is, um, you have a clean, safe hotel room to, to stay in for the week. You have access to the education, to the social events, to to the conference experience. Well, and, you know, the other thing that they get is they get to know that they were part of having that conference actually happen. We rely very heavily on both our scholars and um, the overall volunteer team to make sure that our event happens, that it's successful and that all the little bumps uh, get smoothed out um, while we're while we're doing it. And. Um, there's a lot of pride that happens within that volunteer group at the end of conference when they realize what they've accomplished. Yeah. And, um, and they've worked hard by that time. Um, they they've definitely know that they have worked um, to make that event happen, um, but they, they feel very good about it too uh, because it is a, a great event and all of the attendees and exhibitors and and everybody that comes to the conference uh, really appreciates uh, the efforts of the volunteer team and the scholars in particular. Yeah, I know I do. You know, every year, if I'm there as an attendee, as an instructor, uh, as a vendor this last time, you know, I, I rely on 
the volunteer staff and the scholar staff for all the support that that goes into being able to to do all those parts of conference. So it's always a really important part of it. Is there anything that you would want to touch on specifically for international applicants? Because I know every year we'll get a handful of of scholars that are selected from countries where they might require uh, an invitation letter or a visa, or they might have some sort of other complication. Is there anything you, you can mention for that stuff? So um, the law requires that we wait until the person is actually registered to get them their invitation letter that they can use in order to get a visa if that's required um, in the country that they're in. Sometimes the timing of that, you know, needs to be very early depending on the country. And so if it's a situation where that timing isn't really meshing with when they're going to get notification versus when they actually get to register, things like that, um, we're always willing to, to work with folks. It used to be that we would, in fact, it may even still be in this application now that um, we say that international applicants are expected to confirm that they already have that visa. But the fact is, is a lot of people can't get the visa until they have that invitation letter. So we recognize that. The other thing that we say is that while English doesn't have to be your first language, the classes at this conference are done in English and there is no translation services. And so we just want people to be aware of that. And I, th- I think more than anything, um, what I find with our international applicants where English isn't their first language, that they often feel like their English is really bad and we are fine. <laughs> we are fine with their English level. In fact, their English is quite good. I think uh, in general, people underestimate kind of their their ability to to speak and understand. If you're listening out there and you feel maybe less than confident about your English skills, if you can understand what I'm saying right now, you're going to be perfectly fine at conference. So please apply. And, you know, the other thing is because our volunteer or our overall volunteer team is made up of former scholars, there's a lot of people from a lot of different countries within the volunteer team. And so Um, You can often find another volunteer who is fluent in your native language um, to kind of help you out if you if you do have any situations where you're like, I didn't quite understand what that person was saying. I think that, you know, we've done this a long time. Um, We manage with the volunteers very well. They get a lot of support, which is another advantage of coming to conference as a scholar is because, uh, you know, we really help. You get all the information you need as you come into conference once you've uh, been awarded the scholarship and and prep you for the experience. Make sure that you have all the information you need in order to succeed as a volunteer and as a worker at the the conference. Provide you with a really nice schedule um, so you you have something to follow. Um, And then we have support uh, working with the other volunteers actually at the event. So it's not a matter of us kind of just throwing you into conference and being like, go do your job. Um, we, we have a very good structured program of support uh, for new attendees. Most of the scholars, uh, when, when they start doing their class selection, you know, of course they wanna take as many classes as they can cram in. And then once they understand kind of when, when they're there, Suddenly, they're like, oh, wait a minute, I maybe signed up for too much. 
um, yeah. because there's there's a lot of things that people want to do outside of those classes. You know, you want to hang out with your new friends. Um, you want to have all those conversations uh, about piercing that happened at conference. Um, you want to spend some time on that expo floor. Um, but, you know, the reason people apply to the scholarship is to get to conference. And so I'm always very cognizant of, you know, yes, we need them to do certain tasks um, and, and be a volunteer, but the whole point of them getting that scholarship is to be able to take classes and experience the networking, experience the social times and get to that expo floor. Well, that's, that's the majority of the info that I wanted to have ready for applicants. Um, for contributions, uh, we, um, we do have a process. If you are Registering as an exhibitor, it'll be part of the registration path where you can sponsor the scholarship programs. If you are an exhibitor who is not planning on coming to conference and you would still like to contribute to that program, you will want to contact me direct at info at safepiercing.org. And that's always a really important part of it. You know, most years there will be uh, additional scholars because of uh, contributions uh, above and beyond what the, the APP can, can mandate. Um, so it's always important. We always appreciate everybody's support and realize that if you're a vendor and you're, you're capable of helping, uh, this help goes directly to getting someone out to, to conference who otherwise probably wouldn't be able to be there. So it's, it's always very much appreciated when people make those contributions. I, I always want to say, you know, a big, a big thank you to everyone who contributes every year. Our exhibitors are amazing when it comes to, um, supporting this particular program. Um, and, uh, for many years now, we have been able to send um, more than, certainly more than eight um, to conference. So it's, yes, uh, I, I do a lot of thinking of the exhibitors um, who do sponsorships overall, um, and in particular for this program, because it, it really does change lives. It's a very transformative experience for the people who get that scholarship. Yeah, I've seen a lot of magic with it. And it's nice. It's nice to look back being part of this for like years and years. It's nice to look back on people who have gotten the opportunity in the past and then to see what they've done with that opportunity. Um, it really just kind of makes me proud to be part of this industry. I know that sometimes people get down on, you know, just life in general, but like the the body piercing industry and, and, and career path. But uh, the the scholarship conference, all that stuff every year reminds me of like the, the best parts of the industry and the best parts of body piercing. So I, I love being part of this, uh, this committee. Yes. Um, I do too. The volunteer family is truly, uh, members of my family at this point. Well, is there anything else you want to include for this conversation? I don't think so. Um, other than the fact that if you do have questions, um, you're welcome to reach out to Ryan. Um, but I'm also, uh, certainly more than well-versed um, in this program and should have all of the answers to any questions that anyone has about the process or about what it is like when you're a scholar at conference, about your workload, things like that, feel free to, to hit me up. Um, most easily reached at the info at safepearson.org email. Um, I can also be reached by phone if people just want to pick up the phone, if people still do that. Uh, 888-888-1277. And that contact information is available on the safepearson.org website as well. 
The application um, and information for the scholarship has been posted on our social media. Um, so the conference attendees group and then um, the event page as well. And that would be on Facebook for the people that are that are on Facebook. Uh, I'll also put the the link to the application in the description of this podcast. Uh, and then it will also be uh, on the APP's website, safepiercing.org, uh, the, the conference area information scholarship. So that's another avenue for you to, to check there. But again, I just want to mention, like, check out the application, give it a give it a once over, and you'll see that it's really not super intimidating. There's not a lot that you need to do to prepare one of these applications. Like I said, you can do this in just a day or two of work uh, and it can be life-changing. So take a look at the application, make a plan for how you want to complete the application and, and get it submitted and, and best of luck to everyone who applies. Super. Thanks for doing this, Ryan. I really appreciate it. Well, I really appreciate all your work. Uh, <laughs> I'll be around until I get kicked out of it, basically. Sounds good. Okay. All right. Well, thanks for talking to me, Kaylin. All right. Take care. Bye. Bye. So thanks for talking to me, Caitlin. Uh, I know that we're going to spend a lot more time talking over the next few months, you, myself, and Kale talking about all these great applicants and trying to get uh, as many as we can out to the, the APP conference. If you know a piercer who would benefit from applying, maybe share the podcast with them, maybe point them towards the APP website, give them whatever kind of support you can through their application process, because it's a really big deal in a, in a piercer's career, especially if they think that financially they can't really get to conference on their own. Uh, being able to to give them a scholarship, to give them that experience of of being at conference as a scholar can be really life-changing for people. So it's always, uh, it's really rewarding just being part of it and, and seeing the process happen. Uh, if you're an APP member, don't forget to vote uh, before December 1st, 2022. And I'll be back with some more episodes soon. Thanks for listening. For more information about the show, visit piercingwizardpodcast.com or like Piercing Wizard Podcast on Facebook. For more info about your host, visit precisionbodyarts.com or search Ryan PBA on Facebook, Instagram, and Tumblr. If you enjoy the show, you can subscribe on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, and Google Play. Music by Benny B. Blanco. Show copyright 2017, Precision Body Arts, LLC. All rights reserved.